0: Uh, Yes, how we're doing and welcome once again, my friend, to Station B.O.B., where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love and work. And as always, I am excited and happy to be with you today. And more importantly, I have a very special guest today. I have with me Pastor Lydell Akins. Uh, Now, hold on now, hold on. I didn't even introduce him yet. I just want to tell you, Pastor Lydell Akins, he is the pastor at Triumphant Life Church located at 500 Malterra Avenue. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, sir. Okay, Malterra Avenue, Ocean Port, New Jersey. And the pastor has written a new book and I invited him on the podcast today to talk about his new book entitled
1: Relationship Blueprint.
0: Relationship Blueprint. So the pastor has a blueprint for relationships. So without further ado As I'm trying to say without further ado let me introduce the pastor, Pastor Lydell Aikens. Pastor,
1: say hello. All right, uh, Dr. Rob, thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity to join with you. I'm so excited to talk to your listeners and to let them experience what I believe is a dynamic model. There's so many books that have been written about uh, love and relationships, and um, I'm I'm hoping to be able to express what's so different about the blueprint.
0: Okay, well, I am glad you said that because that— I guess we can use that as our segue into my first question for you, because we're just going to get right down on it. As you just said, there are so many books out there about relationships. What, what, what makes your book relate? The, is it the relationship blueprint?
1: The relationship blueprint. Yes.
0: Yeah. What, what makes your book, that book that would make a difference in the lives of people looking
1: to find you know, the blueprint for relationships. Well, it's awesome because um, I've been counseling people for probably over 16 years of pastoring and every person that comes into my office and uh, for marriage counseling or just problematic uh, issues that are going on in their relationships, I recognize that there is a blueprint missing. They, they have an idea of relationship but they're missing some foundation elements. And what a blueprint does is it allows you to see the detail necessary to construct the type of relationship you need. And we have a lot of relationships going through construction issues.
0: (laughs) I hear you. Listen, man, I, I could not have said that better myself. Relationships are going through construction issues. Wow. That's deep. So, just before you talk about the blueprint what what type of relationship problems have you you know without putting out the business of the people that you're helping but just what what the what are the issues some of the issues well, you know
1: what let me go personal
0: because okay.
1: uh, you know the best. Uh, teacher has experienced something first. I, I know that's right. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I've I've experienced the challenge, like many people, of trying to have relationships. You know, with your wife, your children, and and the flawed nature of how you have to interact with them. Oftentimes, whether or not you go off of your feelings, too many relationships base love and their relationship off their feelings. But it always ends in the same way. Whenever you try to operate off of feelings alone in relationship, it navigates you to a destination you did not want to go.
0: Well, let me ask you because I, I I agree with you on the feelings, but when you you know more specifically when you say you know what are you saying about the feelings? Because there is something to feelings. I think as people we feel too much, and and we should think more. And feel less. Like, in other words, when it's Valentine's Day, yes, you feel that. Somebody passes away, yes, you feel that. Something good happens, you feel that. But when you have problems, you don't feel the problems. You should think about a solution. So when you speak to feelings in relationships, what what do you
1: say? I believe feelings need a funnel. Um, And I'll explain it like this. Most people don't realize that you're you're going to have feelings. So I'm not talking about having a void of feelings, but you have to funnel it through something. And most people tend to funnel their feelings through their experiences, their education, or their environment. Okay. And those are poor funnels. What, what, What I believe you have to funnel your feelings through is your faith. Okay. And as you just said, I have to think my way through. And so when I say my faith, I mean, I use, um, I'm going to go scriptural, the model, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, where it says love is patient. It gives us a real blueprint. It, what love is, what love is not, and how I'm supposed to react in my emotions when love wrongs me.
0: Okay, so how should you act in your emotions? <laughs> because, you know, so many people... Feel wronged and have been wronged in love, including myself so so how should you you know speak to
1: that yeah, so uh you know the Bible points out a, a real interesting factor which is um, it says what lo- how we 're supposed to act it says i I'm, and what the people tend to do is they tally up everything that's gone against them. Everything has happened to them. They tally it up and then they bring it with them to the next relationship or they bring it with them into their, uh, to their next situation. But it never gets uh, a a cut. It never gets a learning process. You two things either happen. You either get bitter or you get better. And so, (laughs) so the essence of our feelings should make us better, but we tend to get bitter. And then the next person pays for that experience.
0: Wait a minute, wait a minute, man. I just want to say amen, hallelujah. I mean, since we have the pastor here, he's taking us to church this morning. So, but what really has me excited is what you are talking about, my book is based on those very same concepts, but this is not about me. It just makes me... It warms my heart to really to hear somebody else talk about the idea that there's some things that we we have to resolve first before we go getting all tied up in relationships, because, you know, most relation books that I have come across. They talk about the idea that people are already in a good place and all you have to do is this or that. And that is so far from the truth. So not to, you know, talk too much, Pastor, continue.
1: No, I think I think just you said it's it's the thing that people really wrestle with is how do I move on? And I think what you need is a blueprint to move on. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing the Bible says love is not jealous, It's not envious. It's not boastful. So it gives what it's not. So when you're functioning in that love, that means you might be in your feelings and you might feel justified. I call I have something called justifiable lies. Okay, we justify when we lie to ourselves that we move past it, but we have not Okay, And until you deal with that pain and that process is difficult to declare, I can love someone else because you're giving someone a real um, jaded version of you.
0: Pastor, listen, man, I'm blown away. I mean, I'm really, you know, uh, I, I mean, you are so on point with what you are saying. I mean, just go ahead, just go ahead.
1: Well, here's the thing, and I may, I, I'm going to test the thought because you're a relationship guy. So, love and mo- all relationships will be tested in and through seasons of pain. Okay. Whenever you you, you people like to separate pain and love, but you can't. Okay. Because the best part of love comes through pain.
0: Okay. I'll
1: prove it. Now, I, you can't say something that heavy. And well, well,
0: yeah, but well, yeah. <laughs> tell us, what do you mean the uh, best part of love comes through pain?
1: You know, let's take Jesus. Okay. Uh, Jesus goes, uh, uh, you know, on the cross. Mm-hmm. He goes, he says, but he, before he was going, he says, uh, you know, let this cup pass from me. Okay. But not my will, but your will. So he died for us ultimately. Showing us the model mm-hmm. of pain, he says, "No greater love than this, than someone would lay down their life for a friend." Okay. He tells us that there is an association with our pain, but the pain was never meant to destroy us; it was meant to make us better.
0: Well, you know, to that, what I say is you have to learn how to turn your pain into purpose. Oh, I love and, it. And and your life would be so much better. You know, people commit suicide because they're going through things, but they don't really understand that, you know, that's what life is about. Like Jesus suffered. Life is about suffering, but when you, because something is going to happen. You know, you're going to lose a job. Somebody's going to die, unfortunately. Somebody's going to get sick. That woman, that man you thought loved you is not going to love you the way you love them. And they're going to break up with you. They're gonna break up with you. No, they're gonna break up with you. That's 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 what we're talking about. Pain. Let's just go right to it. The pain. So so the idea is to go through that pain to grow. You know, through the pain. So when you come out on the other side, you 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 know, if if you don't go through anything in life, then you won't understand how to deal with life because life is about stuff. Yeah. So, but I just want to ask you, the pain and love, could you break that down for the, you know, in simple layman terms for those, you know, who those of us who may not understand clearly the whole connection to Jesus and the pain and love? Okay. Could you talk about that in terms of, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, let, let me say this. Uh, I wrote in the book a, a thought. Um, uh, you will never be promoted beyond your tolerance for pain. Okay. Um and I'm going to explain that in love. I'm I'm going to Yeah, you you, you you're killing me with all these deep phrases. <laughs> but No, because you'll never watch this. Uh you go into the gym and if you don't press past there's something called in the gym called a pain cave. Okay. The pain cave is when you get to the point of pain, if you push past it results happen.
0: Okay. So right? Let me, okay. Let me, yeah. I'm making this
1: natural like yeah. It, it me. hurts so good, right? It, it hurts, hurts so, so good. good. Yes. Yeah. Because now I get results after it. So the same when it comes to love, if my wife and I, we've had problems, we had trouble, and and we were experiencing some things. Now, I'm not talking about abusive or toxic elements. I talk about that in my book about toxic relationships, uh-huh. just a whole area, just dealing with how to recognize the toxicity of mental relationships. Okay. Um, but the essence of it is we're going through something. It is something solvable. It's something that we could get through, but it hurts. Okay. If we decide to deal with it, confront it, and allow ourselves to get through that process on the other side of that pain that we experience, there's another level of love I've experienced with my wife and you know when you when you, I've been married for over twenty two years mm-hmm I'm not absent of pain. I wrote about it because I realized pain should never eliminate love. Okay. It should make you develop a deeper deeper level of understanding of love.
0: hmm hmm But you know what I think happens to people also is when we talk about love, especially in marriage, I have found, and I've been guilty of this myself in my first marriage because it was a bad marriage. But I think, you know, and you know this, Pastor, that people – We have to commit to the marriage and not necessarily the person Because when you don't commit to the marriage When you go through pain What's the first thing we say? I'm getting out of here, man (laughs) You you know what I'm saying? Yo, you know what? I'm going to pick up some overtime at the job And I'm going to start stacking And I've had enough of this When, in fact, if you stick around to the with the person that you married Like you're saying, you'll get to the next level of love
1: well, I, I got to hear your testimony, you know, sometime back when we were talking about relationships, I read the first book. Right. And um and so, you know, out of my book came a thought, you know, it's not what happens to you, but what happens in you. Okay. So the you know, the major difference between a victim and a victor okay. is your ability to handle what happened to you on the inside. Okay. So your victim stays in and relives it over and over again and they still they keep getting victimized uh-huh. by their mindset. Okay. Of the pain of that relationship Or that situation What I love about you uh, Doc, Dr. Rao, You were able to take your pain And say I, I, I've been through something But I didn't stay there So you got remarried Out of a process mm-hmm. That you said I'm going to be the victor Exactly the victor always takes What they've been through mm. And causes it to develop A better version of themselves wow. So they can love better
0: Well I have to tell you Pastor I did reinvent myself Because cause of that experience i was in a bad place that's not who i am in terms of negativity i i like to live in the positive and i, I remember a long time ago when i got ma when i remarried a friend of mine said rob i thought um i didn't think you would ever get married again based on your first marriage and i said no it's the the my problem is not with marriage. I made a bad choice, mm-hmm. and so I have. To, you need to understand the difference between making a bad choice. If you make a bad choice, you more than likely are going to wind up in a bad marriage. So, marriage is not the problem. It's the person who you choose to marry, and based on some of the stuff that the pastors talking about that they bring to the table, that can have an adverse impact on your relationship. But go ahead, Pastor.
1: Well, well you're in, you're in the front, front part of my book. Three, three things I talk about in the front part, and it's um, currency, choices, and content. Okay. Uh, I won't get to all of them in this, this Well, sometime. let's do
0: this. Let's talk about what the blueprint is, you know, because you did mention that. But I just need to let a promo in, and when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about what the blueprint is to relationships because I'm having such a good time with the pastor, we'll talk and we'll never cover the blueprint because that's the reason why he would like you to go run and get his book. So on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the the relationship blueprint.
2: Have you read any good books lately? Your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob, is the author of three great books. In his first book, The Choices We Make, Robert takes a look at relationships to help readers learn how to have a good relationship with themselves before they can have good relationships with others. In his second book, Access Denied, Robert brings an eye-opening perspective about what happens to children and fathers when their relationships with the mothers of their children end on bad terms. Robert explores what he calls child pawn when a parent, usually the mother, uses a child as a weapon to hurt the other parent. Robert provides a let-go lab in his book to help parents find positive ways to resolve their issues in the best interest of their children. Light Up Your Life is Robert's latest book. Robert writes about the fact that we are all born with a special God-given talent. Even though we are all born with a special talent, most of us miss our true calling, in this book, you will learn how to find your special talent and light up your life so that you can become the person you were born to be and live a more fulfilled purpose driven life. Books are available at BarnesandNobles dot com, Amazon.com, and Robert's website relationship dot org. Thank you and back to the show.
0: Okay, welcome back. And so the pastor has has me and Hopefully you too on pens and needles about the blueprint, the relationship blueprint. And I would like for him to, to talk about the relationship blueprint, which is the title of his new book and the key to finding healthy relationships. Go ahead, Pastor. Talk about the blueprint to relationships or the relationship blueprint. I'm sorry.
1: So ultimately, we, we know that relationships are the currency of life. And um, because they're the currency of life, we have to really be able to master the element of how do we do them better. So the relationship blueprint is founded off of a a real principle of what love is, um, what love is not. And as I share with you, the attitude towards being wronged in love. Okay. So I based the foundation of the book off of those three principles because most people have an idea of what love is and they've kind of labeled it an emotion and they've labeled it a feeling but they don't realize love is education. Okay, so what is it?
0: Speak to that cuz that's one of the the principles of the the blueprint. So what what is love?
1: So love is um the Bible kind of gives it out as a interesting. Love is patient. Mhm. It says it's kind. And then it says it never gives up, it never loses faith, it's always hopeful and it endures through every situation. So when we when we understand that from a um from a scriptural standpoint, it is um, it has to be more than my feelings because there are times, and I know you've been you married so um,
0: <laughs> I've been married twice, okay, so you know. know. So,
1: so then you know if that's the case, patience and kindness. I, I can't be in feelings and function in those at the same time.
0: Right, right, right. I
1: have to have something totally uh, uh, understanding. That love is education. That's me understanding who I'm with mm-hmm. and that person understanding who I am. Okay. And that means that's the only way I can be patient. That's the only way I can be kind. And also funneling that through mm-hmm. my relationship with God. Okay. I can't leave God out this picture uh-huh. because he teaches us what love is. Now, here's the thing. Three things that I I, I kind of share from that. So love is a person, according to the Bible.
0: Love is a person.
1: Love is a product. Okay. And love is a process.
0: Okay. Now, I know about the pro- the process. Okay. But what about the
1: person? So the Bible tells us. And the product. I'll share it. Uh, it tells us in 1 John, it tells us that God is love. Okay. Okay. That means it's the person of God is love. Okay. So he says love is a person. Mm-hmm. So my understanding of God gives me a deeper understanding of what love is. That's why we have issues right now all across the culture. People want to discard God, mm. but I can't discard the one that God is love. All the world needs now is a little love. Yeah. Love. <laughs> well, how could the pastor's I, a singer
0: too? He's a singer <laughs> there.
1: How could I absent or pull love out without the person? That declares that God is love. Mm -hmm. So that's where He is a person. Now, He's love is also a product.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. What is that? Love is a product. Yeah. Let's talk. Wait, wait. Can you get this at the mall? Can you get this on Amazon? Love is a product. What do you mean that love is a product?
1: Well, you know, the Bible tells us uh, that in Galatians that uh, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives okay this is 522 it says it produces this kind of fruit what kind of fruit love joy peace patience so the product of the holy spirit mm-hmm. that that that's not spooky not scary mm-hmm. all, it, it's the product of it is it produces love so the more i have an understanding of the holy spirit in the relationship it allows me to love my wife my children, my family differently because it becomes a product. Now, the reason why I don't haul off and smack my wife when she says something or or she act crazy Mm -hmm. is because the product of patience, the product of peace, the product of, of what the Holy Spirit brings in my life allows me to now love her differently. Okay. People people think crazy. In 22 years of marriage, we've never argued or yelled at each other.
0: Are you serious? Never once. Wait, not because for 22 years, 22 a man years. and a woman never, never argued and yelled at That almost, well, I have to ask you then, if you, if, you know, is that realistic? Because I've heard that before, but I've never asked this question. If if two people, a man and a woman who, who have different minds and thoughts at times about, you know, we could see somebody get hit by a car standing on the same corner and see the same thing and, and talk about it differently. Talk about what happened differently. So please help me understand, because I've heard people say that before, that we've never had an argument or shouting match and we've been married for 20 plus years and i find that hard to believe so tell me how how does that happen is this because you are a man of god or is this just because you know it's the blueprint it's the Dr. blueprint Rob, it's the blueprint but did you have this blueprint prior to you you got getting married or is this something you learned over time because how did you avoid like I love my wife and she loves me, but by golly, we sometimes we we go and have some junkyard dog fight blowout arguments over you know married couples. They usually argue about the dumbest things, and and that's not. I'm not calling anybody as dumb. I'm no, just saying that's the thing, the that's things that we argue about. Uh, if you think about them, you're like, why? What? what? Now we mad at each other for what? But go ahead. So talk about how you could be, because I'm sure everybody wants to know about it. How can you be married for 22 years and never have a shouting match with your wife or your husband?
1: And let me also add, never called each other out of names, never said get out of the house, and all the, the trimmings that go along with that. Right, right. So um, I, I will tell you that I have begun writing this book. Years ago, my degree background is sociology. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what I did to study people in their environments. I'm going to take that mark with my faith. I begin to come up with this blueprint years ago. Okay. So what you're about to read through the relationship blueprint ultimately is something that was birthed probably 30 years in the making as I was watching this thing play out in all of my relationships. I was learning a principle. Okay. And the principle is this. Here it is. Love is patient and it's kind. Mm-hmm. So there's two things I taught my wife, and I'll say I taught my wife, and and I know some people. Would she say? Would she say she, you taught her that too? She will tell you because she wanted to argue the first chance she got when we were married. She was looking for an argument, and I had did the worst thing a man could do is I began to chuckle at her. Uh-huh. Um while she's arguing, I'm chuckling so okay. she started you know kind of coming and then she's raising her, and I'm like <laughs> I'm like, don't ever do this, that's not a part of the blueprint at all. okay. It was a nervous because I really never got into a place of um you know arguing with people throughout my relationships. It was just not my thing. I said you okay, it's true to argue. so I introduced a thought to her I introduced a thought that's in my book called Timing and Tone. Most people think their volume, the volume that they speak, introduces and makes what they're saying more important. Mm-hmm. And I simply said to her, the volume to which you speak to me is not going to make what you're saying any more important. Okay. I hope someone heard me out there because people think volume means importance. Yeah, Pastor,
0: you you kind of deep, man. <laughs> we we, we got to have a separate show for, you know— your achinisms here, you, you know what I'm saying? Because you got some real stuff going on here. But go ahead. So, so,
1: so I learned this principle of of teaching her, like you know what, the way you talk to me, your volume indicates your patience or indicates your kindness. So if we can't, I never said we didn't have disagreements. Mm-hmm. I need to make that clear. So I'm not a Superman. Okay, so you have had disagreements, had but, disagreements.
0: but you just didn't yell, shout, and Curse and throw things.
1: When we have disagreements, we make a decision to say, is this the right time? Mm-hmm. And do I have the right tone?
0: Ooh.
1: Okay. So that introduced twenty-two years of never getting into a screaming match because when our tone doesn't sound right, let's revisit this. And we don't take weeks. It's before the day is over with. Adjust yourself wow. so that you can have the conversation before we sleep. See now that's thinking. That's more thinking and less feeling. You
0: you know, feelings are cool, you know, at funerals, marriages, Valentine's Day. But when you have situations, you need to think. So I, I like that. So both you and your wife keep like those principles, you know, in the forefront of your mind. Uh, in the frontal cortex, as they say, you know, the front part of the brain. So you keep that in the in the frontal cortex of your brain on a daily basis. In the heat of the moment,
1: remember, love is education. Okay. Introduce to thought. It's in my book. Love is education. That means I have to educate you on how I am, and you have to educate. And I think that's one of the chapters. I I think you you kind of referenced that was kind of interesting, which was uh, in our um, the mentality matters. Act like a woman, think like a man.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Stop, stop right there. I, <laughs> can I? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I was I've been chomping at the bit. I want to get to that. So. Let me see. I'm looking at some content related to the pastor's book. I just want, okay, so I want to get that right. Well, Oh, okay. Act like a woman and think, well, it doesn't say and it says act like a woman, think like a man. Now, before I ask you this question, I just want to uh, just lay down a premise here. You know, When you say to a woman, act like a woman and think like a man, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, isn't that like a lot of work? You know what I mean? The women are, and I don't mean to sound traditional because I, I do the cooking in my house, but just say, speaking hypothetically, women are, you know, getting the kids ready, you know, uh, cooking, cooking cleaning and women I'm not stereotyping. I'm just speaking in general. Like in other words, what I'm really saying is don't women have enough to to deal with, you know, the hormones, the menstrual cycle, pregnancy, you know, just you you, you understand. Trying to make their uh husbands happy, trying to stay fit so that that, that their man is not looking at, at somebody else's woman and things of that. So when you say um Act like a woman, think like a man. What do you mean
1: by that? Well, of course, you know, it it was taken from the the, uh, film um, by Steve Harvey. And the movie was designed, I believe, to help women figure out the mind of men and vice versa. And one of the reasons I believe that the response was so great to that movie was people, couples everywhere, are trying to figure out and ta- trying to tap in to the psyche of their spouse or their partner. Mm-hmm. So there's something unique ab- a- about knowing how a person thinks. So even though you say, "Oh, we got all these uh, roles that you were listing uh, that we have," who doesn't want to know? what the uh, how to respond or how to deal with the person that's in their life everybody wants cuz we want happiness mm-hmm. and we want to we want to make that other person happy but we want to be happy and so every woman should invest their energy in trying to figure out how to please the man that they're with
0: okay okay so stop right there pastor <laughs> so so and you and say that versa. and you and you say that like with some real absolute strength so if Two people are married mm-hmm. should 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 a man act like a man and think like a woman well no. like one. in other words what you just said reverse it does the with would, would a man be you know obligated to do that as well because relationships don't flow one way there's, there's so, a two-way
1: street here I was intentional about not reversing that statement okay and why is that act like a woman think like a man mm-hmm and and please men, hold on to your seats just for a second, <laughs> for what I'm about to say. Most men need to act like a woman in the sense of learning how to be vulnerable to the woman. And so acting like a woman and thinking like a man is the ability for the is the struggle of every man to be able to relate to their wives or their the significant other is their ability to, act you know what, I need to be sensitive enough to know what you want. And that requires me to act like a woman. Mm-hmm. But I'm always going to think like a man. Okay. So I didn't reverse it intentionally because the essence in the production of a successful relationships is required for men to really kind of get the thing that women want. They want your emotions.
0: So, but what I'm asking then, are you saying then that would be a requirement for men as well? Because you, you just say, you know, act like a woman, think like a man, but you, I mean, you very well, you just stated how a man should do the same thing in terms of his vulnerability. But, when I look at this particular chapter or the title of this chapter in your book, it doesn 't say that, so, how would I know what I should do as a man? like Why would my woman be required to think like a man well, what, what am I supposed to do Well, you to know, make the relationship better?
1: Well, the interesting thing is a man thinks thinking like a lady is is really to fulfill her desires, and uh the title itself um you know is is indicative of. Really, women also learning because the struggle. I think we have many times. That's what. Let me just let's get, let's cut to the chase. Cheating happens from men mostly more than anything, mm-hmm. and it's a product oftentimes of the man feeling like she don't know me, but this mm. other woman is willing to meet a need that she don't know that I haven't exposed to her.
0: Okay, okay. That that's that's a fair. St- <laughs> yeah, that's a fair statement.
1: And I'm not saying women don't cheat. I'm oh yeah, they women, do. They do. I'm not letting women <laughs> off the hook. So um, but um the essence of of the of that chapter deals with the the reality that we must learn the difference and seek out to really understand mm-hmm. the, the those that are in our lives and those that are functioning in our lives, and we need to learn them their who, who they are and how they think because this is under the subheading of mentality matters okay the mindset matters regarding how okay
0: so. Yeah, I've always been intrigued by that act like a woman, think like a man. You know, to me, that sounds sort of like the, the, the game part of relationships. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. When years ago, I used to work for the correction department and I had these, you know, I worked around in the office with these young ladies, you know, that were experiencing problems with guys. So I'm a guy. You know, and so I used to give them little tips on how to because at that time I saw relationships there was somebody it was a power thing, somebody had the upper hand, you know that was the 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 talk on the street, and that was just the way it worked the The person with the upper hand is the one who usually would get their way in the relationship and sort of drive the relationship so so i've always been an advocate for women, and so I had one young lady talking to me about. She was like, Rob, I'm going through this with this guy. I was like, listen, I'm talking to to you about this, but you can't tell nobody what I'm doing here because they're going to pull my guy card, you know what I mean? And the fellas don't want to know that there's an informant amongst them. I said, but I care about the ladies, so I'm going to help you out. So she was like, well, I'm going out with this guy, and it's his birthday. I just met him, but I really like him. What should I do? So I said, this is, this is what you do. You take him to a restaurant that you like. So that you don't spend, you know, crazy money treating him and you know the food is good and hopefully he likes it. And then instead of buying him something that you don't know if he like or will like him, maybe you get him a bottle of Moet and that way you could partake in the gift that you bought. $20 for a bottle of Moet in those days. So she did that, came back to work and she was like, Wow, that broke like a charm. Next thing I know, I had dozens of women coming to me about their relationship, you know, issues and how to help them turn the, you know, turn the tide. I don't, I'm not you're into. Proving my chapter. Right, just saying, right, you're right. Proving my chapter. Well, but that's the point. Cause at that time, I thought about the power of, you know, that somebody was always on top, you know, in a relationship. I feel differently now, but I, I thank you for clearing, for clearing that up about, the whole idea of act like a woman and think like a man. I just had, a, you know, my concerns about that. Let's talk briefly about the art of communications. But before you do that, I'm going to let another promo in and then we'll pick up on the other side with the pastor's explanation regarding the art of communication.
2: Relationship Readiness Life and Work Preparedness Services, the place you come to for coaching, consulting, and counseling in life, love, and work. We are a multi-purpose service organization that will coach you up, educate, guide, and motivate you to succeed. To learn more about our programs and services, please contact Robert T. Gardner, Jr. by email at changeagentrtg at gmail.com or request a meeting for a free one-hour consultation at relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and let's go back to Station B.O.B.
0: All right, what a commercial. Welcome back. So I am here today with Pastor Lai. Dell Akins, and what a podcast. I mean, I just want to say, Pastor, you're really a treat. I'm um, just um, taken aback by, you know, some of your sayings and thinking about relationships and, you know, not to take anything away from you, but they what you're saying so matches, you know, my idea and philosophy and approach to relationships. And I just wanted to ask about another chapter in your book entitled, the art of communication. Before I let you respond to that, I just wanted to say, you know, in my first marriage, I was married to a person who didn't communicate. She would get mad for reasons unbeknownst to me. And I used to say to her, like, we might go out to have dinner and then, you know, have a nice time. Then when we got home, you know, her expressions would change. I'd be like, did something happen? And then over time, I realized that it wasn't me. And so, but my current wife, That was a strength of hers from day one, her ability and willingness to communicate during the tough times. Tough time meaning if we have a a disagreement because plenty of people, even men, shut down. I mean, that's the worst thing in the world. You have, you know, issues in your friendship, your relationship. No, nah, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, and people won't talk, but talking is so important. And so I think that's the, the strength of my marriage. But what do you say about the art of communication?
1: Well, communication um, actually creates a relationship. You cannot have a functional relationship with anybody mm-hmm. without solid Communication. Okay. So that makes communication very important, and that's why I call it the art. Okay. Um, It is, uh, we, we create with it. It is the element of how we create the best relationships. Love will always communicate, and communication is really the open door to any experience that your relationship will experience together. Um, on any level, if you're going to, if we're going to work to the next level of our relationship, communication has to be the doorway that takes us there. And so if we want to get to a deeper level, communication, I got to be able to communicate to you. So it is one of the forms that we have to really master, but it's also the very thing that when I talk to marriages everywhere, it's the one thing that they struggle with
0: communication. Well, let me ask you, can you, can you talk to your wife? Like, I just want to understand, like when you say communication, can you talk to your wife about anything?
1: I think if you can't have those type of converca- con- conversations, there's already a block in your relationship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, my wife was my best friend. So before we got married, um, you know, we were we were best friends. We were great friends for 10 years before we ever okay. got married. OK, so a little different than some relationships. So really, I married my best friend. She knew I was a dog. She knew I had. um uh, Hold on, hold
0: up. The, the pastor was a dog.
1: I was a dog. I dated five women oftentimes at a time. Um,
0: D O so double G
1: D A W. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, I only. I can't spell it no more. <laughs> it's all. It's
0: all right. It's all right. Okay. Okay. So all right, you're a good pastor now, though. You know. <laughs> We all we all had our dog days. We,
1: look, if we didn't have a past, what would we be?
0: Woo, our past makes the present. Exactly. You know, so go ahead, go ahead, Pastor.
1: So you know the the Bible says like this: life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay, that's a, okay. that's such a loaded statement, uh huh. Scarcely, but life and death. That means my communication. Uh, I'm going to eat the fruit of my communication. Okay, so whatever way I communicate. That's the fruit that I eat in the relationship. I don't know about you, but that's like, whoa, that's mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, no, I'm hearing you. Okay, so you can talk with your wife about anything. Do you, now you're a pastor, so you have to be, you know, kind of balance things. But can you talk to members of your congregation? Can you tell them what they need to know? When they need to know, because some people will dance around, skip around and not say or tell people what they need to know, you know, to, to get them off the snide, so to speak. So what about your communication to you know, your, your congregation, can you talk to them about what they need to know? I'm not talking about from the pulpit. I'm talking about, I come to you and you know, I'm having problems at work or in a relationship. And so I need some help pastor. Would you tell Dr. Rob what he needs to know? Are you okay with that?
1: Well, you know what? That's the refreshing thing about my book. Um, I write it from a perspective. Cause I felt like I, the truth wasn't always told to me when, when we first got married. So I try to tell the truth to relationships off the right from the beginning. Um, and so if we can't tell the truth in our relationships, we really don't have the best form of the relationship that we should have. Okay. So to the people I, I've told people that, you know, I don't think y'all should be married. Well,
0: wait, 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 you know what? Hold on. Hold on. I, the reason why I, I I'm like, wow, blown away by that because I do relationship counseling. Right. and, as a therapist, I see a, a lot a lot where people should not be married. But I am reluctant to tell them that because, you know, I don't want to get sued. You know, I have a license. And, you know, be, because people stay together for the weirdest reason. Some people thrive in turbulence. I don't know how, but they, they're okay with that. But I'm so glad that, that you said that because I often struggle with do I need to just tell them to break up already? You, you, you know what I'm saying. So, so if, if you're communicating like that, you have answered the question. So, so go ahead. So, what about that? What, are, what kind of responses might you get from?
1: Well, well let me go back to your, your statement. Here's the thing: I call uh, those toxic relationship indicators in my book, and that's when you base your relationship on a shared past and a shared pain
0: wow
1: so relationships must be built on more than commonality of past and pain
0: okay okay so
1: i tell them so this is uh, and hopefully this might help you uh as you have to counsel with people to tell the truth on this i said listen um you know we can't you can't build your relationship off of your past or when you fell in love, or when you, you can't, it can't be off a past. It can't be off of a shared pain. The commonality to build any relationship has to be on your future. Mm. Do we have a future that can communicate effectively? Do we have a future that ultimately we can get past our feelings and get to the place where we need to be able to function? Okay. If we can't, then this relationship is doomed for a future because, ultimately if you're fueling your future off of feelings it will not fly wow
0: yeah pastor you i'm going to have to bring you back for another podcast man because you you're deep brother you ocean deep here so just as we you know start to wrap things up let me let me ask you um where where can people get your book? Where's your book available? Is it available? When will it be available? Tell tell the audience where they can get your book and so, how they can get your book.
1: Yeah, so you can pre-order my book now on Lydale Akins L Y D D A L E A K I N S dot org. Um, it's also going to be uh on my that's my website, and then you can also visit a uh, Relationship University. Which is also my website.org. And, um, and then on Facebook, follow me on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, that's Lydell Akins TV on YouTube and Lydell Akins on uh, Facebook and on Instagram. And all those ways will have links to be able to uh, get a copy of the book.
0: Is, is your book available now or is it?
1: It's in pre-order. It will be actually uh, in hand by next week. So, um,
0: Oh, congratulations. Yeah, so um, congratulations. <laughs> so when you say in hand, that's in your hand, but it, it could be in other people's hands as well. As, as well because they'll be able to access and purchase your book online at, at the various links.
1: Absolutely. So, yep.
0: So I have to ask you, you know, being an author myself, how, how I mean, you've accomplished so many things. You, you, you're you a pastor. You head up a church. And, you know, when I first met you, you had a small church in Asbury Park. Now you have a bigger church in Fort Monmouth, on Fort Monmouth. Um, how does it feel to have written this book that you've been pondering, I guess? You've been doing the work, you said, laying the foundation over the past 30 years. You know, how do you feel about completing this book?
1: I think you, you said it. I think we were offline and you said something. When you walk into your purpose, it feels so, so right. Um, this is something that is a part of my purpose mm-hmm. to help relationships. So it feels absolutely amazing because I get to share um, the the years, 47 years of life, um, you know, the 22 years of marriage, uh, tons of years of experiences uh, coupled with my education and marrying those together, I put an a, a inkling. I tried my best to pour a gallon into a cup when it comes to what you're going to read.
0: Okay, okay, um, okay. Uh, so it's, it should be good. And this guy is like Martin Luther Kingish over here. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I would like to bring you back, you know, for another I, podcast. I, I, Maybe even when your book drops and you start getting feedback, you, you, you know, man, we can, we can talk about, we can talk about that. I, I wanted to ask you another question, um, but it escapes my mind, but I have to, I have to tell you that it's really been a, a, an honor and a pleasure to have you today. I wished you, I wish you the best with your book. I know when I wrote my first book, it changed my life. I started having speaking engagements. As a matter of fact, you gave me an opportunity to do my relationship readiness program at your church. So I mean the best of luck and many blessings with that. It's a it's a great thing. Um oh I know what I want to ask you. You know, so I just before we wrap up, you know, the divorce rate is, you know, is 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 interesting. The The divorce rate, it used to be 50% the first time, but now it's 40% the first time, 64% after your second marriage, and 74% after your third marriage. And, you know, in America, we have this saying that, you know, practice makes perfect. But based on those statistics that I just shared, it seems like the more we practice marriage, <laughs> the worse marriage Yes. So what, what, do you, what do you think about that? What do you think about the whole, you know, that re, relationships get marriages? We divorce more the more we get
1: married. Well, I, I think the thought is uh, people say uh, practice makes perfect, but that's really not a true statement. Um, practice should make you better. Okay. And what people have uh, taken uh, is the worst part of that better. They've gotten better out leaving. Mm. so what you what, <laughs> what you're explaining ultimately is they practice leaving okay so um and i'm not saying that uh your first marriage that you left wasn't wrong or right i don't have any information on that but what we've been practicing in america mm-hmm. is the art of leaving situations.
0: wow that's deep because that leads me to my next question but go ahead you, are you finished no no good. That's good so you know what i have found that black people we don't get married you know, I mean, what do you think about that? we don't we don't get married. you know, one out of every four homes is absent of a father, stepfather.
1: What do you make of that that we don't get married? Well, I think there's a, a commitment issue. I mean there's we have been oftentimes we have bad models of commitment that we've seen and it has a fan the flame of what we see now when it comes to uh, African American people not marrying because we've seen uh an absence of commitment. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll take my personal situation. Um I was birthed out of a, a a really tumultuous situation where my mother had me when she was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I just met my father when I was 25 years old. Okay. So I once I met him, I thought I was going to be able to be in some kind of get to know who he was, he still had a hard time relating to me. He had a commitment issue. Now, wow. No, okay. I'll give you the shortened version because we're closing, but ultimately he wind up, I wind up breaking through that barrier, creating the relationship, um, and uh, he wind up joining my church. Is that right? Yeah. Um Wow. You know, so the interesting, but I had to break through a barrier. Most people aren't going to break through the barrier of those commitments that have been broken and severed. So you have the black community suffering uh-huh. from that that exposure or lack thereof of commitments.
0: Okay. So let me ask you this. If you if you know the answer Because what I find That people tend to We parent the way We were parented So do you know If your father's father Maybe did the same thing To him In terms of like You know Some abandonment Type of You know Scenario there Because that's what That's what tends to happen I'm just talking about From a A therapeutic perspective Do you know Have you ever talked to him About his relationship Or lack of relationship With his father
1: I I wish I had that that pleasure. We were our conversations were very limited. Um, You know, once once again, I was breaking through a barrier, Uh, and unfortunately, um, not not to add this in, uh, he passed away from COVID. um, Oh my God! uh, In the midst, you know, and so I never got to have those conversations. Wow! uh, Yeah. But on a good note, Uh um, I was able to have it with, with my my siblings, to which I met through that relationship. Okay. Okay. And the one thing i can say pattern wise we have a pattern of infidelity that i have noticed uh throughout uh um from my father to my brother to th- there's a uh, yeah know, we need to grow up yeah, we need a, we
0: need to grow up yeah, a and keep our of little pee yeah. in our pants so
1: that's the thing i got to make sure i got to guard my heart against because there is a a a systemic nature of infidelity
0: right 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 wow that's deep so I mean, I don't want to venture into another topic, but, you know, this is so interesting. You just, I just want to ask you, so do you feel a sense of closure now on the, the thing with your father? You you, you met him. You, you, you know, you broke through the barriers. I mean, because I talk about this kind of stuff all the time. I did I actually did a podcast why, the, why black boys don't know their black fathers, mm. you know? And so... Um, I just find that interesting, but just you know, did, did you do you have a sense of closure where you're okay with with that now that you've met him, you broke through, and unfortunately has passed away? But are you, where are you with that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think God was testing me um, because uh, the first time He came into my life, my brother was getting married. Um, the second time He came into my life, He was having another child um, at. I don't want to say what age, but he was having a child late in his life, and he asked me to dedicate that child. Um, then another child came into the world uh, again, my sibling. Obviously. Your
0: father sounded like my father. Well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus so, Christ. So, uh, so uh, uh, he came back, and that's when he joined the church. So my closure happened somewhere between the first and second brother or sister that I had come into the picture, I had gotten closure that God was trying to teach me a principle of honoring your father and mother, the principle of just honor, regardless of feeling. We're going back to our topic here. Right. So I divorced the feelings of why abandonment. I divorced them. Okay. And not only did I divorce them, but I buried them. They, they, they got a funeral. Okay. And so Those feelings got a funeral, and I was absolutely okay with him. The last time on – it was um, January – excuse me, June 19th, uh, 2019 was the first time my father was – I seen him on Father's Day, first time in uh, 45 years of my life, first time ever, in addition to the first time seeing him on Father's Day. So it was my birthday and Father's Day. Wow, okay. First time. On that day, I had – received such a closure in a sense of those feelings and things that I divorced, I said, God, I didn't miss anything.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you're in a better place because of it. Well, I just want to thank you so much. Pastor Lydell Aikens for, for coming by to do the podcast today. You definitely have made the podcast, you know, even, Better. Thank you for your, your contribution. Good luck and many blessings and success with your book. And um, I'd like to bring you back, uh, you know, because we have so much to talk about. So let's give it up for Pastor Akins. <clears throat> so we're about to wrap up. Thanks you. Thank you very much for tuning in. And remember, love is an action and not a word. And it's not supposed to hurt. Until the next time we talk, be nice to somebody you don't know. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. As we wrap up this show, I hope this topic helped you to grow. And now you know a little bit more than you knew before. If you have any questions about this topic, please email me at changeagentrtg at gmail.com. See my website, relationshipreadiness.org to learn more about my counseling, consulting, and educational programs related to life, love, and work. Finally, In the words of the late, great reverend, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. Until we meet again, do the right thing when nobody is looking. Peace, beloved.